So if you would, turn with me this morning to Mark 12. And uh, as we normally do around here, if you don't have a Bible, if you would, raise your hand, because sometimes it's good to turn to things in your Bible. We'll put them up on the screen. But uh, turn to it in the Bible. And we're getting some Bible bookmarkers made where all the chapters and verses and stuff are. Because if you're like me... I was raised Catholic, and we didn't have a Bible growing up, and I never could find anything in my Bible, and I was so embarrassed when I sat by people that could find things in their Bible. It was like, man, they found that fast. So we're going to get some Bible bookmarks, and we're going to get some of them made, because you've never been made to turn to the Bible like you are with Keith Moore. Because there's nothing more important than the Word. If you see it in the Word, you can stand on it. So uh, it's really important that you see it for yourself and not just take anybody's word for it. If you can see it in there, you've got a foundation that you can build on and stand on. So uh, we'll make sure that we always give you word for whatever we do. But you check us out. Make sure we're telling you straight, okay? Get in that Bible for yourself. Make sure that everybody knows it's right, okay? So uh, the NIV, Mark 12, verse 30. My title today is, So We're Called Christians Now. We're going to start at the very beginning. Because that's what everybody is looking at us for to start with. This new church is started. And if you've seen the newspaper at all, they said, oh, wow, that new mega church in Lakewood Ranch. How many of you saw that? And they started looking at what we are and who we are. And they wanted to know it right away. What do you believe? What do you teach? What are you saying? How do you act? What do you do? So we should be able to show them who we are, what we do, what we teach, how we act, what what we're about, right? So I want us to talk about that this morning, and uh, I want it to be just real clear about what you believe, what I believe, and it's very, very simple. It's up here on the screen. Love the Lord God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Now, that's pretty important, isn't it? That's the very first thing you got to do to be a Christian is love God. Now that just seems entirely too simple, doesn't it? How many of you already knew that? Now that's pretty simple, right? Love God. But I'm going to make it real simple before I even go to the second part of that verse or the next verse. I love my husband. I love him dearly. I told Friday night a long story, and it took longer than I anticipated, and I didn't even get to my next verse because I was still telling a story. But I love Keith. We've been together since we've been kids, 13 years old, and we got married two days out of high school. But if I love my husband, as I say I do, am I going to constantly be doing things that irritate him and grate him? Am I constantly going to be doing things that I know he doesn't like? Am I constantly be going to misrepresenting him? Okay, you see me here today. Let me ask you a real quick question. I said when I opened, hi, I'm Mrs. Keith. Didn't you already really think that? How many of you kind of already thought that? Right? You already thought that pretty much what Keith thinks, I probably think, right? 
Pretty much. Now, y'all are not going to be able to do this. I'll tell you right now, I am not the kind of person that's just going to let you sit there and go, hmm. (laughs) I am a very expressive person. And I expect people to be very expressive back with me or I'll come sit in your lap (laughs) right with you. You'll find it out real quickly. Friday night, didn't we find that out? Yeah. Um, So uh, you're not going to just be able to sit there. I was raised Catholic, too, where you couldn't say a thing in the world in church. It was supposed to be very quiet and very reverent, and you just didn't do anything. But that's not what we're about. We're supposed to have fun in church because God is a fun God. He's not a boring, dull, dead God. And if we can't have fun in church, then we should quit. Because that's the only place I am. And I'm going to have fun. If you know anything about me, you're going to know that I'm going to have fun. Because that's what life is about. So again, let me ask you a question. Do you think, by any stretch of your imagination, that I might think the same thing my husband thinks? Absolutely you think that. Or do you think he would have me in this pulpit if he didn't think that this morning? No, he wouldn't. He wouldn't dare. So in having said that, because I love him, I'm going to do my best to represent what he wants done. Now, we have a few staff people here this morning. Do I do my best to represent what my husband wants done? Absolutely, I do. He's the head, and we try to follow. Like I said the first day, he's the seer, and we're the doers. And that's the way it is. But you know what? If you put the verse back up there, love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. If you love God that way, then what are you going to want to do? Now, how many of you Remember when you fell in love with your spouse. Okay. You remember it, right? You fell in love with them. Right? And you didn't see nothing they done wrong. Right? They did everything right. Everything they did was perfect. Now, what about 30 years later? Can you see anything that they do right? Or did it just kind of just flop to the other side? Mostly all you see now is what they do wrong and hardly anything that they do right. Right? Well, we've got to go back... And we've got to see ourselves the way that God sees us. We've got to love God the way that we loved Him when we first got saved. We've got to go all the way back to when the day that you got saved and the day that you met your spouse, you would do anything. Guys would go to the mall with them and shop all day long if they wanted to go shop and look at shoes all day if that's what they wanted to do. It's the truth. They would do it. They would take them. And girls, you'd stand out there and talk about their car all day long. (laughs) 
and you knew what a Hemi was, and you knew what a three, whatever, 96 was, and you knew what kind of motors there were, and you knew what kind of engines and a four-barrel carburetor and all these things were, and how did you know? Because you stood there and listened. And did you want to know? Absolutely not. The whole time they were talking, you were thinking about what you had to wash and what you had to clean and what you had to do and you had to get supper ready or you had to do this, but you were standing there, right? But you did it because you loved them. That's the way we got to get back with God. And we got to put the things of God back in first place. You got to remember how you loved Him to start with. There's a joy in loving God. And there's a joy in serving God. And people forget about that joy and that love in serving God. You've got to love God so much and understand how much He loves you. He loves you so much that He wants you happy. He loves you so much that He gave the very best thing that He could give. Let's go to the next part of that verse. And I'll explain to you why I'm saying this. The second is this. Love your neighbor as what? Yourself. There's no greater commandment than these. Now here is where the problem comes in. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do you know why so many people are so hard today? Do you know why so many people are so focused on their needs and their wants and so hard and so stiff and so, like I did Friday night, little sour and frustrations? Because they don't love themselves. They do not, one little tiny bit, love themselves anymore. And so they're out trying to convince everybody that they do love themselves. But they're so condemned and so hurting and so confused. So they, they put up this front to get hard. And they put up this front to prove to everybody that I'm good. Yeah. Everything's great. Because they don't want anybody to know how bad they're hurting, what they need, what's going on in their life, how terrible things are that their marriage is falling apart, that their kids are falling apart. So they put on this front that everything is great and really oh, they don't have time to focus on anybody else. They can't love their neighbor because they don't love themselves at all. They're in me world. When they drive down the road, you see it. You see the cars that pull out in front of you? Why do they do that? Because all they can think about is I gotta hurry up and do this, because I gotta hurry up and do this, because I gotta hurry up and do this. Why? Because they're in me world. Because they don't love themselves, because they cannot stop long enough to think about themselves because it hurts too much. But that's not what God intended for us. God intended for us to love ourselves, love Him first, then love ourselves. But so many people have gotten so upset with God, which is the very first thing you can't do, and then they've gotten so upset with their self. And that is our only commandments.
and we're calling ourselves Christians, but if we're mad at God and we're mad at ourselves, where did the Christian part go? We're mad at God because He's not supplying our needs. He's not healing us. He's not taking care of our kids. He's not getting us that job we wanted. He's not taking care of our family. And none of this faith stuff really works. So people are getting upset with God when really it's not God at all. Like I said a couple of Sundays ago in Branson, hey, faith works. I'm living proof faith works. This church would not exist without it. But we got to work it. And we got to get back to loving God. Keith had an instructor when he went to Rhema way decades ago that said no matter what happens, always remember this. And we've never forgotten it. Always stay on God's side. Always. Always stay on God's side. Now, I'm going to relate a lot of things you'll see to the husband and wife because that's our relationship. God compares the church to the Lord. So look at it this way. Okay, a husband and wife are together and uh, maybe they had a little bit of a spat. What does 1 Peter 3 tell you about? Get it back together so that your prayers do not what? Be hindered. Now, what happens if you get mad at God? Huh? Y'all are getting too quiet on me again. What happens if you get mad at God? I'm not going to go on. What happens if you get mad at God? 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 Worse than that. What happens if you get mad at God? You stop praying. Thank you. Not that your prayers are hindered so much. You totally stop praying. What do you do when you have a fight with your husband? You stop talking to him. Thank you. It's not that God stops talking to you. You stop talking to Him. Which is the very worst possible thing that you could do. Because when you get mad at God, He is your answer. He's not your problem. James talks about if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to every man liberally, and He doesn't even make fun of them when they ask for it. I've asked God for some silly points of wisdom sometimes. God, show me how to do this. I know I should know, but I am blonde. And you know what? He doesn't even laugh at me. He just shows me how to do it and gives me the answer. But when we get mad at God, it's just like when we get mad at our spouse. We don't lay in the bed and talk to him. We get mad at God and the devil wins because we stop talking to our answer. And he is our answer. He has every answer for us. He has all the decisions we need to make. He has the wisdom we need. He has the supply we need. He has the hope we need. He has the encouragement we need. 
He has the grace we need. But we pull away from Him. He never, ever, ever forsakes you. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He's not the one forsaking. We're the one pulling back from Him, just like you do from your mate when you have a fight with Him. You get in the car and leave, or you go to the kitchen, or you go to your bedroom, or you do whatever you do. But you pull apart from them. Well, that's exactly what happens when you get upset with God because He didn't supply your needs. But you know, that's mighty, mighty presumptuous to think that God let you down and that you could never make a mistake. It's mighty, mighty presuming to think that you know every aspect of everything and that you didn't do anything wrong and that big God that is so merciful and so kind and so loving and has never let anybody down chose little old you to let down the first person in the whole wide world. Right? He ain't going to start with you. What made you so special that he's going to pick you out of a whole crowd and say, okay, Bill's special, I'm just going to let him down and I'm just going to say, okay, he don't get it because he's so special. I'm just going to make a point with him. He don't get it. I'm going to prove it. Not happening. Look at Job. Everybody knows the story of poor old Job. Well, poor old Job wound up with way, way more than poor old Job ever had. And it only lasted a little bitty short period of time. We make it a lifetime, but it wasn't. So we got to stay on God's side. The Bible talks about husbands and wives. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, if you had a spat with your spouse, get it fixed. Whatever it takes, somebody take the blame. Somebody be man enough or woman enough to say, okay, maybe I didn't mess it up, but I'm going to fix it because I'm more mature than that. The Bible says let the spiritual one restore such a one. So you be spiritual enough to say, hey, I'm going to take the heat for this. Let's go on. It's the baby that don't take the heat. Sorry, it's true. So y'all got quiet on me again. But... You that are spiritual, fix it. But it's the same way with God. Do you think that if he doesn't want a husband and wife to be mad at each other for over a day, does he want you mad at him for over a minute? If he doesn't want the sun to go down on your wrath with your spouse for over a day, does he want the sun to go down on your wrath with him for over a day? Absolutely not. We should get it fixed with him the instant we realize, hey, God, I wasn't thinking right. How dumb can I be? I think some other people's got blonde that goes to the root beside me. (laughs) To think that God would mess up and start with them. Because that second verse says, we can't love our neighbor if we don't love ourselves. And if we're constantly putting ourselves down and hating ourselves and condemning ourselves, our neighbors have absolutely no hope in the whole wide world. 
they're, they're in trouble before they start because when you walk out of your house in the morning, you already don't like yourself because you're too ugly and you're too fat and you didn't do this right and you don't have any money and you messed up this job and you did this wrong and you said this wrong and, and you walk out of the house before you hardly open your eyes with your cup of coffee and you're condemned. So what, what chance does anybody around you have when you're already mad at yourself when you look in the mirror so the person that's with you, oh my word, they don't have a chance in the world. Because people have a tendency to take their frustrations out on somebody else beside their self. That's the tendency. You've heard the story. Well, the boss is mad, so he takes it out on the person underneath them, and, and so that's the man. And then so the man's mad, so he takes it out on his wife, and the wife's mad, so she takes it out on the kids, and the kids are mad, so they take it out on the dog, and the dog's mad, so he bites the postman. <laughs> I mean, you've all heard that, right? You know? And, and that's like people's days, you know? And so that's why people yell at you when they're in their cars and they yell at you when they're, you're on your phone and they yell at you, you know, and, and because people are under so much pressure because they don't know how to fix it. And it's real simple how to fix it. You want to know? It's very, very, very simple. No matter what you do today, like I've said a zillion times to the youth, Every time I get with them, I tell them this. And I'll tell you the same thing. It doesn't matter if you have an affair for morning, after breakfast, then you go to lunch and you have another affair, and you go to dinner and you have another affair after dinner. Or you go to breakfast and you kill somebody, and you go to lunch and you shoot somebody, and you go to dinner and you cuss out your boss and then you shoot him. I don't care what you did. The blood of Jesus is big enough to cover whatever you did. Whatever you did, it's bigger than whatever you did. And you needn't think that God Almighty up there can't see you wherever you are. So you might as well as when you lay your head on your pillow at night, just like I tell the youth, he saw you when you were in that car with that girl, and you're going to hear my voice. You might as well know it. And they do. They call me and say, I was about to do this, and I heard your voice. I say, mm-hmm, that's good. And he can see you. So you might as well as when you lay your head on your pillow at night, and you can't go to sleep for all the things that you did that day, just say, God, forgive me. What do you think 1 John 1, 9 was written for? That's it. God, forgive me. How hard is that? He already knows anyway. Why did he say, my mercies are new every morning? Who did he write that to? Did he write it to somebody else? No, he knew I was going to be living on the earth and I was going to get upset because of something somebody was doing and I was going to need it every single day. So if I lose my cool and I chew somebody out, when I lay in the bed at night, I just say, God, forgive me. I didn't mean it that way. It came out wrong. I'm sorry. It was dumb. 
And don't make any excuses. He already knows. And tomorrow morning, you get up and you start the same path again. You lay in the bed the next night. Because what the devil wants to do is he wants you to get out of God's path. He wants you to get further and further and further away from your help. But he is your help. That's why he gave us these things. That's why he put them in the Bible for us. You must love God. You must never pull away from your spouse. If, how many of you have ever pulled away from your spouse for over a day? Just be honest. We're honest people. Sure you have. Is it easier after the day to fix it or harder after the day to fix it? Harder. The quicker you get it fixed, the easier it is to fix it. And it's the same way with God. And the devil knows that. The quicker you get it fixed with God, the easier it is to fix it with God. So it doesn't matter if you cheated on your taxes. You fix it. And what happens is, every time that you do that, every day and every night, it's just like if you've ever heard Keith tell about uh, the guy that quit smoking. You ever heard him tell that story? I'll tell you, real briefly. There's a guy that came to him, and he was smoking all the time. And he said, Brother Moore, I've got to be free from these cigarettes. I, I smoke all the time, and I can't quit smoking. I just smoke, and I smoke, and I smoke, and I've got to quit smoking. The doctors tell me I have to quit smoking, and I can't quit. I can't quit smoking. I can't quit smoking. And Keith said, well, will, will you do what I tell you? He said, I guess. He said, but don't tell me to throw away my cigarettes. I've thrown away hundreds of packs of cigarettes, and I just have to go buy some more. He said, I'm not going to tell you that, but will you do what I tell you to do? The guy says, yeah, I'll do it. He said, okay, every time you reach into your pocket to get a cigarette, pull it out, say I'm free from cigarettes. Now, if you smoke in here today, nobody's telling you to quit smoking. You do what you and God decide you're supposed to do. I'm not telling you anything. I'm telling you what this guy did. Okay? He needed to be free from smoking and wanted to be free from smoking. So he said, every time you pull out your cigarettes, pull it out of your pocket and say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from smoking. Pulled it out of his pocket. He said, thank you, Lord, I'm free from smoking. He said, every time... You put it between your fingers there. You say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from smoking. He said, but Brother Moore, I'm about to smoke. He said, will you do what I say? He said, yep, I'll do it. So he said, okay, say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from smoking. He said, every time you take your lighter out, click it. Say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from smoking. He said, but I'm about to light it. He said, will you do it? He said, yep, I'll do it. He said, thank you, Lord, I'm free from smoking. He said, every time you light it, say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from smoking. He said, every puff you take, thank you, Lord, I'm free from smoking. Every time you put it out, he said, thank you, Lord, I'm free from smoking. He said he did that. I forget what the time frame was. Some of you guys might remember a week or two or a month. I forget, a couple of weeks, I think, you know. But uh, the guy came running back to him. He said, Brother Moore, Brother Moore, guess what? He said, you're free from smoking, right? He said, I'm free from smoking. He said, I was standing there and I went to light it. And he said... I'm free from smoking, he said, and I got rid of it. And I haven't smoked since. So when you lay your head on the pillow at night, whatever it is that you're having to repent for, over and over and over and over again, I got good news for you. You lay there at night and you say, God, I love you. Because that's what our verse is. That's our first commandment. It is the first commandment that we're supposed to love God. How can you love Him if you don't even talk to Him? 
we got to talk to God. That's where our answers come from. People are not even talking to God anymore because they think He's mad at them. He has never gotten mad at you. He's not like your spouse and He's not like your mama and daddy or your brother and sister. He has never gotten mad at you. And He's not going to start today with you. So lay there on your pillow at night and you just say, God, I love you. Please forgive me for doing that. Again, he's going to say, again, I don't remember it. Did you ever do that before? I don't remember that. If you ever asked him to forgive you before, he's not going to remember it from the day before. Because it's gone. And if you do that every single night and say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from that. I don't do that sort of thing. That's not me. That's not who I am. And then tomorrow morning you do it again. You do that every single night. And say, thank you, Lord, I'm free from that. Your life is going to be on a different path. It's going to begin to change. I don't care if you eat, I'm going to pick on Dan a minute, if you eat two gallons of ice cream every single day and you don't want to. Dan loves ice cream. He loves ice cream more than any person I've ever seen. And he eats it with a fork so he can eat it faster. Dan knows I love to pick on him. I don't care what your area is. It doesn't matter what it is. Everybody has an area that they're trying to overcome. And I know Friday night we did something with the victory, but the Bible talks about in Romans, rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep. The only reason that I made everybody do it is because there were some people in here that needed to rejoice and they needed to get on the victory side. Maybe you didn't, but you're supposed to help your brother. And it was time to help some people. That's what we're here for, to encourage everybody. Build everybody up. So you lay on your pillow at night and get your relationship right with God. No matter what it is, talk to Him. No matter if you yelled at your kids or you stole from the petty cash and intended on putting it back, you do know that's stealing. Even though you intend on putting it back, it's still stealing. Or you chewed out your wife or you, you know was sharp with your kids and whatever the case may be. And you know when your heart condemns you, you don't need another person to tell you. Whatever it is, fix it. Because we can't love our neighbors if we don't start out loving ourselves. We've got to start out by loving us. We can't love, we can't get every one of these seats filled in here if we don't start out loving us. That's our first step. So let's start there. Let's start getting our relationship in the right path, the right way with God again, talking to Him. Maybe it's our husbands and wives. Maybe it's our kids. Maybe it's our finances. Maybe we didn't pay a bill. Maybe we got messed up on something. Maybe it's we're taking too many prescription drugs. Maybe we're... uh, I don't know what you're doing. Everybody has all sorts of things. But I'll guarantee you this. There ain't no categories of hell. Sin is sin. And if it condemns you, you need to get it right. Because it's only your heart. And the devil knows the very thing to condemn you over. 
and he knows the very thing that's going to keep you from your joy and your peace and your happiness. So that's the very thing. It's like, okay, say these guys. And I'm going to be so excited to get to knowing everybody and who they are and what they're doing. Okay, but say it's their kids. And say maybe that somebody at school keeps, one of the teachers just keeps harassing one of their kids. I don't know. I don't even know if they have kids. But anyway, um, they do. So say one of the teachers just keeps picking on one of their kids. All the other kids, grades, they got good grades in. But this one teacher keeps giving them D's. Because they know it bothers them. The devil is going to do it every year. Every year, that child is going to get a teacher that gives them D's. Because they know it bothers them. And so the devil knows if that's going to bother them and it's going to eat at them and it's going to chew on them and they're going to get upset about it and they're going to stay upset about it, every year that child is going to get a teacher that picks on them. But if that child gets a teacher that's hard on them and picks on them and they get D's and they seek the Lord's wisdom on how to handle it they don't get upset about it, they say, God... It's in your hands. You show us what to do. Help us to fix it. We're not going to get upset about this. You're smarter than us. Help us. And they don't get upset about it. Guess what? The devil is going to quit trying in that area. Maybe it's them. Maybe it's money. Maybe they got a relative that keeps stealing money from him. Or I don't know what it is keeps trying to borrow money from them and not paying it back. But that's what's going to happen. They're going to be on their doorstep every other day trying to borrow money. Because they know, the devil knows, it is the weak spot in their life and it's going to irritate them. And it's going to cause stress on their marriage. It's going to cause stress in their life. So he's going to keep the pressure right there. Because he knows that is the very thing that's going to upset them. But the minute you get smart enough to realize, I'm not going to let that upset me anymore. I'm not going to let that play havoc on me anymore. I'm not going to let that bother me. Shut up, devil. You're not bothering me anymore. Ha, ha, ha. Get out of here. Yes, amen. And just think about something else. Then he's going to just skittle daddling free. I'll get my word right. Flee from you. Because it's, what is the point? If he knows it's not going to bother you, he'll look for another area and he'll keep poking and prodding and poking and prodding until he finds an area that really irritates you. And when he finds that area that irritates you, he's going to stay with it, buddy, because he don't have to find another one. And all your life, it'll be that one area. All your life. It'll be the one area. He don't have to find another one because it is the area that irritates you. And he found it. And once he finds it, he's won. But if you don't give in to him and you lay in your bed at night and you say, I'm free. I'm free from that, Lord. Thank you. I gave in to it today, but I'm not giving in to it tomorrow. And every night you say, I'm free from that. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to be free from it. And you're going to keep your communication open with God and you're never going to have the little God-husband-wife God spat type thing. And you're going to overcome every day. And His mercies are going to be new for you again tomorrow. 
You believe that? Stand up on your feet with me. Glory to God.